0: We're seeing a positive trend, we're uh, still very cautious, and I always say we aren't out of the woods yet, but we're taking a cautious approach to move forward. And uh, I'm I'm confident uh, that we're going to move forward cautiously and uh, get things back to normal as quickly as possible. Cautious is one thing, but these halfway measures are simply nonsensical. Alex Pearson with you on this very, very busy Thursday, January 20th, and a lot of moving parts today, so it is great to have you along, and uh, I will be going through these. These reopening plans that, uh, whew, I get that there's a balance, you know, that Doug Ford needs to strike, but frankly, I just fail to see how this snail's pace for reopening makes any sense, given, you know, we're the most vaccinated province in this country. But I do want to start on something that I don't think a lot of parents know is actually happening in their kids' schools. And a letter is circulating on Twitter from a grade one class in Toronto that was sent home to parents informing them that uh, kids at lunch can't talk to each other. And it says, in part, quote, children are expected to face the front at all times in their seat. Raise their hand if they need help opening their food. And once they eat, they're to put their mask back on before speaking. If a child speaks, their mask is off, their name will be recorded, and parents will be contacted to review COVID safety rules. (coughs) I read that and I was like, excuse me? I mean, the person who released the letter questioning this stated quite correctly, in looking out for the interests of our children, we've completely missed the forest for the trees. But I will go further stating that this is nothing short of lunacy. It is just frankly abusive. And I hadn't heard about this, but I started poking around only to learn that this is an arbitrary rule that's been happening in some schools across this province for months. But I asked my own son, Hey, what's going on at lunch in your school? And apparently this has started happening in his school upon his return on Wednesday. And the justification is that, well, lunch is the greatest risk for spread. Really? And how do, how do all these educators know this? We're not even tracking cases. So that's just nonsense. But how is it even keeping kids safe? When you look at some of the tools we have now, I mean, 50% of kids five to 11 have at least one vaccine. Kids 12 to 17 are 83% fully vaccinated and 86% have at least one dose. But 90% of all Canadians are now fully vaccinated. We have more protection now than in any other time of this pandemic, which includes testings, kids that are now being sent home with kids. And yet we're still subjecting children to what I see as apocalyptic abuse, despite the fact that this variant is more mild and kids who get it are not getting seriously ill. Even kids who are hospitalized are being treated and then quickly released. Kids needed to go to school because not only is it essential to their learning, but it's also about their mental health. But I don't know what good we're doing them if they are being returned to a world of fear where they're just being filled with anxiety should they dare utter an unmasked word to their little friend. I mean, it's gross. And public school teacher Stacy Lance wrote what I think is a must-read piece for every parent, and uh, she penned it for Substack. And she explains that once schools returned after the first lockdown, some of her observations of what she was seeing, which were students who were less motivated, um, uh, unable to concentrate, some no longer bothered to show up. And in part, she writes, quote, It felt like there was no longer life in the building. Maybe it was the masks that made it so no one wanted to engage in lessons or even talk about how they spent their weekends, but it felt cold and soulless. My students weren't allowed to gather in the halls or chat between classes. They still aren't. Sporting events, clubs and graduations were all canceled. These may not sound like these may sound like small things, but these losses losses were a huge deal to the students. These are rites of passages that can't be made up. And then she further writes, quote, I see that many of my students, especially the female ones, feel a heavy burden of responsibility. Right before Christmas, one of my brightest 12th graders confided in me that she was terrified of taking off her mask. She told me that she didn't want to get anyone sick or kill anybody. She was worried she would be held responsible for someone dying. End quote. She says her kids no longer want to speak in the class, Some want to hide behind their masks because they're ashamed of breaking the rules. This is the damage she saw after the first lockdown, then what, we're into the third? I don't know how this is okay at all. In fact, I'm quite disgusted. And for those asking, well, what's the big deal about masks on kids? Well, there are actually things that happen to children wearing masks all the time. And the UK just uh, issued a report on the efficacy of face masks on kids with the author of the report stating, quote, wearing face coverings may have physical side effects and impair face identification, verbal and nonverbal communication between teacher and learner. There is detrimental impacts on communication in the classroom. So we've got kids of all ages who now can't see any facial expressions. They can't hear what they're being taught. And we've got teachers spending more time telling kids to fix their mask, not say anything, not leave their desk, than on simply teaching the kids school and life skills. And the report further says there's no evidence masks are effective. Cloth masks, which kids often wear, are utterly useless. They don't spread, stop the spread of the virus at all. And N95 masks don't help either because they don't properly fit children's faces. And the data in the UK report mirrors a study out of Spain, which also found the same thing, which is why you're seeing the UK and European countries now abandoning masks. And the WHO, in their guidelines, they advise against masks for kids under six and only suggest selective masking for kids under 11 and who have underlying health issues. Yet here we are in the most vaccinated and most locked down province on the planet, insisting kids cover their faces with this mask masquerade so that those in charge look like they're taking action. It's clear by now, you know, that Omicron is going to get us all it's going to infect everyone, even if even those of us who have been fully vaccinated. So I don't understand why we would insist on doing more damage to children than we need to. I don't know, is this to make the unions happy? Is this to please the never-ending hysterical TV doctors? I mean, why not? Why stop at masks? I think maybe we should just force children to hold their breath while indoors. I mean, we don't yet have the long-term data to show the damage we've caused to generations of children in this country, especially in Ontario and I'd add in Quebec, but I assure you the reckoning is coming. But what we know now is that masks are an utter sham and they do cause damage. For months, we have been filling children full of fear and robbing them of their childhood. And as far as I'm concerned, and I think most parents probably agree, but just can't say it, It is time kids of all ages start to see smiles and a trusting face instead of being filled with apocalyptic doom. And it's time that parents start speaking up for their kids who clearly no longer feel they have a voice and now see this lunacy as normal, which should be the sounding of the alarm bells for all of us. So there you go. Those are my feelings on that. It has been bugging me for a while. But uh, again, I don't understand why we would do more damage to these kids than need be. But uh, parents, I think, would like to know this information. I am Alex Pearson. This is On Point.